A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Dan Haley. Happy thanks Saturday, for, Dan. Thanks for being here today. Well, it yeah. Would have been lonely. <laughs> Talking <laughs> to show would have been stellar. <laughs> but you guys are here, so I'll take the companionship over the quality. <laughs> right? Is that good? <laughs> I don't have an ego. No. Not at all. Anyway, we've got a lot of stuff planned for today. I think it's going to be pretty fun. I'm I'm very excited. We've got Suprins and Ginger Herman yes. from Suprins Group Five Star Real Estate. We're going to interview them about the state of the market market right now. I'm excited for this one. I have a lot of questions for them. Right. Selling a house is super easy right now. Buying one? Not, not so, so easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about a great home project, painting a wood floor. Mm-hmm. We'll get into all of that at the end. But right now we want to talk about something that sounds dreadfully exciting <laughs> and that's planning on a paint project. But I want to start it with something that, Haley, you've already heard because I bemoaned about this to you. But Dan, yes. you haven't. A couple of months ago, I found turkeys on sale. For thirty nine cents a pound. Oh, thirty nine cents a pound. I and it was buy one get one free. Yeah, I was a little <laughs> jealous. Yeah, so I bought two turkeys for eight dollars and forty cents. Wow. Right? So I'm all excited. Yeah. I've got food for the long haul. We don't have to get groceries for <laughs> a long time. Thanksgiving every day. Yeah. So I made that the other night, and I started it at about 8.30 or so. Oh. I didn't think about how long turkeys take. I had yeah. a little roaster, and I, I figured it's going to be like a microwave. <laughs> it's going to just zip that thing back. I have a little midnight yeah. snack here. Yeah. Well, long story short, it wasn't a quick process. I know it wrapped up around 11 o'clock, so maybe that was quick by turkey standards. But the thing was, it's done at 11. It's too hot to mess with. I can't leave it out. So I let it cool for another hour. And by the time I get to it, it's 12.15 or so in the morning, and I start cutting it up. Well, I haul it out of the roaster pan, and I put it on a cutting board because I'm a thinker. And I didn't want to cut it in that pan. What I didn't think about was that cavity of the turkey filled, filled with juices. Juice. Made a huge all over the mess. Counter. The minute I started cut it, yeah. there's no pan to collect it now. It's pouring off the counter. The dog hears it. It's oh. running. I'm yelling at the dogs. The kids hear that. They all wake up. One o'clock, they're all in the kitchen <laughs> eating the turkey <laughs> that I'm working on. And I was telling Haley about that. And I said, this is a perfect example of how not planning can make or break a project. And so we thought, let's dig into that in regards to some home projects. And we're going to spin it towards paint. Exactly. And we're going to get to how I could have solved my turkey problem <laughs> a little further down in this. Uh, okay. But we're going to start with just some basic planning. And the, the, the important part to remember about all of this is when planning is done well, projects are fun. They're yeah. literally fun. Yeah. It inspires some confidence, too. You don't feel like a total goober. And you don't yell at everybody in your home <laughs> and slam your little fists on the counter in rage, right? Yeah. All of that is good to avoid. So let's start with some basic paint planning steps. And the first one's probably just choosing your color ahead of time. Right. I mean, so often people come into the paint store to buy the paint because I'm going to paint this weekend. Going to get the paint. Don't have any idea what color yet. I'll, I'll figure, figure it out, out when I get there. But color, I mean, totally depends on the lighting in your home. So you've got to see that color in your lighting to know that's going to be the color that you should go with. If you don't, I mean, you're painting an entire room. (laughs) Now you're finding out it's not the right color. 
you've wasted all of that time. All of that time, the money. Really frustrating. It's very frustrating. So get sample pints. Benjamin Moore has sample pints. We talk about it all the time. You can paint the colors on your walls. There are architectural chips, the big yeah. paint chips. They're like eight by eight squares. I think they're a little bit different now. But the idea is that you're seeing a little bit larger than your normal little paint square. Right. So plan the color out ahead of time. Another step to plan on that a lot of people forget is figuring out what sheen you want before you get to the counter. And we say, what finish would you like that in? And, and then everybody see gives the us, deer in the headlights. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a blank stare. Oh, I never thought about that. You want to think that through ahead of time. Yeah, especially if you're trying to match the sheen that you currently have on the wall. Let's say you like your living room sheen. It looks good. What was that sheen called again? How do I match that now? I mean, you can find the old can, hopefully, in the garage or the basement. Pull the sheen off the label. If you don't have that around, we've got sheen cards that are next to the colored chips at the store. So grab one of those when you're picking out your color. See if you can match up that sheen. And you want to look at that in different lighting or angles so that you can really tell what's going on there. Now, if you can't do either one of those things, the worst case scenario is to cut a little chip out of the wall and bring that in. If it's about the size of a quarter, we can help you figure out what that finish was. Don't take that out of the center of the wall. (laughs) Right, at eye level. Yeah, find an inconspicuous (laughs) space to draw that from. So those are a couple of main things to start with. Another one is to schedule your work in key rooms very carefully. Yes, this is another one that you have a great example of what happens when you don't plan work in these spaces. <laughs> I pull the toilet at 11 o'clock at night. Well, what is this about up. 11 o'clock at night <laughs> with you? switching hour. <laughs> I never, it was the one bathroom, and I never asked any of the kids if they had to go to the bathroom. Literally, I got the thing out, and the kids all said, well, where's the toilet? I said, why? <laughs> I have to go. Me too. Me too. I said, well, get the Tupperware. Right. Oh, there's bushes outside, kids. <laughs> it's dark out, Dad, and there's bats. <laughs> the big thing is plan it ahead of time. Kitchens, bathrooms, those are some rooms that can really cause some anxiety for everybody if you jump into a project and haven't made everybody aware. Yeah, and I mean, even if you're painting a bathroom, ideally you're going to wait 48 hours until you're showering again in that situation because if you don't... You could end up with some surfactant leaching. That's like the amber or white runs that you can see on a wall because you've steamed it up too soon. Yeah. Everybody wants to see those. Yeah. (laughs) If you're one of the few people who hate surfactant leaching drizzling down your walls, give it time. And the big thing there is to make sure everybody in your family is aware of the process, what you're going to do, when you're going to tackle that project, and what's expected. How long is that room going to be out of commission? And then, of course, planning around pets and kids. Yes. I should have put the dog in the kennel when I started cutting up the turkey. I should have maybe <laughs> cut the turkey up in a pan so when the juices all dripped everywhere, they were captured. Right. All of those things. You know, we've, we've got tons of stories in talking to homeowners all the time. We run into many stories where yeah. pets have... Cats you know, are notorious. Right. I remember somebody told me about a lid they put on the counter and the cat you know they took the lid off the paint put the lid on the counter i'm safe it's out of the way the kids right. aren't going to touch it the cat walked over it <laughs> and they when they got all done they look and there's cat prints everywhere in paint the curiosity the painted went. the cat yeah exactly well, <laughs> well they just want to help right they're helping paint oh, the sure. whole house right so make some plans get get your spouse to watch the kids kennel the the, the dog or whatever yeah. the cat you're just going to have to negotiate <laughs> <laughs> they've got their own mind whatever it takes get that part figured out 
plan your workflow. That's another big one to consider. Right. I mean, clear a path, first of all. Obviously, we don't want to be bumping into things as we're moving around the room. But you want to clear as much of that furniture out of the space as possible because working with extension poles, if you've just piled all the furniture into the center of the space, guess what you're bumping up against now? It's what I always do to save time. I'll move it to the middle. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I'm hitting it with the extension pole. It's a real pain. And now it's tough to move because I've got paint on my hands when I paint. I get it everywhere. <laughs> I don't feel I've done my job unless I'm covered and coated, but then I can't touch anything either. Right. So yeah. move it out ahead of time. And you've got to be able to move the paint trays around the room too. Your drop cloths, if you've got to move those into spots as you go. Where are you going to set the roller down? Exactly. All of that needs to be planned out. And the last thing we'll mention very quickly is lighting. Make sure you've got good lighting for your project, whether it's, what, a halogen that you put on the floor. Yeah, headlamp. Strap it to your head. (laughs) Strap it to your face and work. Anyway, that's all the time we've got for this segment. We'll put all of that info in the show notes. You can check it out later. Right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman about what it looks like out there right now if you're going to sell a home and try to buy one. Good luck. (laughs) That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and Haley and I are in the studio, and we're on the phone. Yeah. With Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate. Sue and Ginger, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Well, we're excited because we've had you on the show before. And it's always interesting and eye-opening, but right now, with spring on the way, we kind of wanted to talk about the state of the real estate market. And I know that the last time you guys were on, it was about a year ago, and we were talking that the inventory out there, the homes available, was was so small. It It was an issue. And I guess what we're wondering right now is just, to start with, what are we looking at out there? If I'm thinking about listing my house, what am I in for? Yeah, we certainly are in interesting times. Even since the last time we were in your studio, um, the market has continued to evolve. I think the last time it was around uh, when COVID was just uh, beginning and, uh, you know, we were seeing the effects of that. But now it's just, uh, you know, the residual of COVID um, and uh, the Still, lack of inventory, even I believe lower than that time. Oh, really? Has wow. uh, yeah, has has caused some more craziness out there. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree, Ginger? Yeah, we have less home listed now than what we did probably January, February of last year. So it's even a harder market for buyers. I mean, great for sellers, but right. not many sellers want to move because then they're like, well, then where do we go? And how do we get a house? Right. Because <laughs> there's nothing out there. So that's kind of been a little bit tricky. Yeah, um, and I mean, home prices have continued to increase. They're higher than what they were last year, which is kind of crazy because our market has at least stayed strong through COVID, which is great. But it makes me wonder, I mean, for myself, I'm looking at buying a house soon. I mean, that was the goal. This year is like, this is the year we want to get into a house. And I'm looking at the prices now thinking, can I even do that? Do I do I wait? I mean, is this going to go away? I think the trick is for buyers 
You're looking at a budget, I'm sure, mm-hmm. as most buyers do first. They, this is how much we can afford. Definitely. And so they do their search, you know, up to that amount. So let's say your budget is up to 300 and then, you know, a, a house pops up on the market that's maybe 299900 And they run over there, take a look at it, and, oh, it's perfect. It's what we want. Write an offer on it, and it ends up being 10 to 20% you know, higher that it sells for. So, you know, when you go to write an offer, you're not thinking, you know, that you're going to have to write that much higher than the list price maybe. And that is the reality. So we're encouraging our buyers to think in terms of 10 to 15, maybe even 20% less uh, in that range of, of where they might, you know, top Just out so you can plan uh, as, for that uh, to what their search is huh. not to say you can't look up to you know what your budget is but to be realistic and you know to uh, not lose hope I guess <laughs> you know I would I would back up that search about 10 to 20 percent less and and maybe even more so you know in your range um, going so that, that you're over asking. better able to hit that target yeah yep, there Haley I think you brought up a good point of will this go away? Because a lot of people, I think, view that like, okay, I'm going to hold out a whole nother year and maybe it will be slower. Yeah. But I've had buyers two years ago or a year ago drop out because they said, I'm going to hold out. Now they're coming back to me this year. And I'm, t- I'm, I have unfortunate news of like, hey, it's still crazy. And unfortunately, your budget of two years ago, now your budget, you know, is you're getting a much um, either less updated house or smaller house with that same budget. Right. So it's kind of like you would have been better off a year ago or two years ago, way overpaying at that time. You were thinking like, oh, I'm never going to pay that for that house. Mm -hmm. But when you look back, it probably would have been a good idea to do that a year or two ago. And so I'm kind of telling people that the same thing this year of like, you know, should we hold out? Well, interest rates are still so low. So I know people have it stuck in their mind. I'm overpaying for my house, but if you view it in the in the scheme of you know years past, you you probably would be better off just overpaying this year with a low interest rate, mm-hmm. because next year it could be even ten to twenty percent you know higher prices. So now you're even higher. Yeah. So it's not really going away. <laughs> we don't think so. <laughs> we don't think so. Oh my goodness. At least probably not this year. Yeah. 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 So you know, the, the interest rates, Ginger brought up a good point. The interest rates are still, you know, so low and people are, are a little bit panicking because they're hearing talk of interest rates coming up now. And uh, I just spoke to a gentleman named Jason Jenkins with Cross Country Mortgage this morning. I said, what is, what is your prediction? He said, well, I think it is going to keep going up this year, but uh, not as dramatically as I think people are thinking. And uh, his prediction is that it will likely even come back down again in 2022. But our rates now at 325 that is so low yet, you know, and so it has room to, to come up and, and, you know, not be where it was back. Think about, you know, in 2008 and nine and 10, when, you know, those rates were around what, 6%, I think they were. Mm-hmm. Wow. <clears throat> we're a long ways away from that. And I can remember even thinking then the rates were pretty decent because I paid so much more for mine when we first <laughs> bought, at, you know, our first home, but, you know, still at 325 
it has room to come up and, and, you know, people to be able to afford a, a home. If you're looking at a $300,000 purchase with 20% down, a half percent increase, which has happened over the last two weeks, is only a $60 difference on a payment. Hmm. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. That's right. I can. You know, one of the kids can just skip food for the week. <laughs> yeah. right? Don't always... buy your toilet paper and paper towel <laughs> for this right. week. Yeah, that's right. We can make yeah sacrifices. Reusable. Yeah, yeah. There's things to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, so <laughs> wow, that threw me for a loop. The toilet paper. <laughs> Who'd have thought? But um, so I'm curious. You, you mentioned now's the time. We're in the in the studio on the phone, I guess I should say, with Sue Prince and Ginger Herman from Sue Prince Group Five Star Real Estate, and talking about the state of the market and what things look like. And unfortunately, the news isn't very good, really. If you're looking to buy, it's tough. And Haley mentioned maybe I'll wait a year and just wait it out. And Ginger countered with. That might not be the best plan because we don't know what's coming. Right. So if Haley does jump in or people in that situation, I mean, we have talked about the fact that the inventory is so low. What does the process look like? I mean, is it like an alley fight to try to get a house? (laughs) That's so funny because I thought about that this morning and this image came to my mind that it's like this big, big tank of water and huge. And there's all these sharks swimming around in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. And then somebody just tosses in the middle of that tank this little morsel of meat. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, the, the shark that is the, the, the quickest, the most prepared, uh, and the most hungry is going to get that morsel of meat. And it can't be shared, right? So mm-hmm. the buyers are like those, sh- those sharks swimming around in that circle. And then when a house pops up on the market, that morsel of meat, they're all running to that house trying to get in for a showing. And and it's either the, the quickest one that gets there, um, you know, writes the offer. And sometimes it's even, you know, there's a delay of showings. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And so that buyers are supposed to have time, right, to go see this house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it lists on a Friday and then on Monday there's showings. But lo and behold somebody puts in an offer that's a sight unseen offer and the offer gets accepted. So it's just, it's that, you know, unusual of a time. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is tough for buyers and there are things that we can do to help prepare our buyers for these sort of things. So we can talk about about that. that. Yes. What are those things? Speak comforts to us. Well, I think there's two aspects that we should really talk about, and it's the appraisal gap guarantee and escalation clauses. So buyers kind of know what's going on with that. All right. So we don't have time on this segment. Can you wait with us over a break and we'll talk about it on the other side? Yeah. All right. We'll be back in the studio or on the phone (laughs) with Ginger Herman and Sue Prins from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate in just a minute. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. And we are on the phone with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate talking about the state of the market 
and what it looks like if we're trying to buy a house right now. And at the end of the last segment, I asked for comfort and I asked for hope because it seemed a little dire. And Ginger, you mentioned a couple of things that we should talk about. Appraisal gap guarantees and escalation clauses. Why don't you talk about those for just a minute? Yeah. So many people are writing escalation clauses, which means if a house lists for 300000 people are starting their offer at 300000 but they are stating that they'll pay 1000 or $1,500 higher than the highest offer, but they're going to cap that. So, you know, I don't want to go beyond 320 but I'll pay $1,000 higher than any offer, but I'm not going to go beyond 320 So a lot of people are using that, um, which is kind of a great tool because instead of just going in at 320, what if the highest offer was 310? Now you're only paying a thousand higher, you know, than that highest offer. So those are, we see those almost on every offer that comes through. So those are important to kind of use. And then um, the appraisal gap guarantee because prices are going so high, um, the home still has to appraise there because the lender is going to order an appraisal and make sure that it's worth that amount. Right. So since since you know prices are getting so crazy because there's 20 offers in on this house, it's probably not going to appraise uh, you know based off of what someone's willing to pay for it. So buyers are guaranteeing to pay over an appraisal amount. So they'll say hey, if it doesn't appraise at what I'm going to purchase it for, I'm willing to cover a difference of, let's say, $5,000. So they're already guaranteeing a seller to pay $5,000 cash over an appraisal value. So that's kind of hard for buyers to sink in. So they're like, well, I got to bring a down payment. I got to pay closing costs. And then you're asking me to pay another however much money, you know, cash to Mm -hmm. cover, you know, an appraisal. But in a seller's point of view, they're like, well, this is this is a more guaranteed price because someone's willing to pay over that appraisal value. That will keep our sale moving. So sellers are kind of grabbing onto these offers, even if they're not the highest offer in price point. Mm-hmm. They're kind of grabbing onto these appraisal gap clauses because it's just more of a guaranteed price for them. Interesting. Right, because understand that to us as listing agents, the price doesn't mean anything unless it's got some backing to it. So we might have a $350,000 listed home and someone offers, you know, 400000 for it. If there's no appraisal guarantee, that, that price doesn't really mean much to the seller because it's going to end up back at where it appraises likely, you know, right, a negotiation right. between buyer and seller. Um, at the very least. Some buyers are, are making those or putting those in the offer, the appraisal gap guarantee kind of a thing. Yes. Many are. And, okay, many are. And mm-hmm. if we can't do that, man, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we then do? we got to get creative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got to get more creative. We got to yeah. wave our wands. <laughs> wow. So the yeah. sellers. I mean, there's more There's more to, to an offer than, you know, price. There's. It, it comes down to what what matters most to the seller. You know, and, and it, mm-hmm. it could there's a variety of things. It could be possession. You know, it could be it could be, you know, and, and they're concerned about inspections. There, there's so much so many nuances to an, an offer. All right. So, OK, so if I'm renting a month to month, I don't need to be out of my apartment right away. I can kind of be flexible with when I move into a house. So let's say I put in an mm-hmm. offer. Can I be flexible with when that possession is to help the seller get into another place? Yes, definitely. 
buyers will write offers, you know, okay, we're going to close within 30 days, but the buyer is giving the seller, you know, 60, 30, whatever, however many days that you're willing to give the seller in the home after closing to allow them to move into their next home or find their next property. Yeah, because I guess yeah. I wondered that. Where are the sellers going? I'm sure you've run into people who've who've listed their house and it sells way faster than they expected. That has to be something you've run into over and over and over again. <laughs> all, the yeah. time. all the time. So now yeah. they're scrambling. Yeah, they got all this money or they got, you know, over the offer or the asking price, but they still have to find a place. It's one of those things that it is important for us as as much as educating a buyer as to how to write an offer, educating a seller as to what do you do for a plan B if we don't find that home that, you know, you hope to find um, in the interim. And, uh, you know, because today it's rare that a seller is going to take a contingent offer, um, we have to prepare them that uh do you have a plan B of a family member that you are planning on moving in with? Mm. Or are you going to rent month to month? Or are you thinking, you know, we'll rent for a six-month period of time and be in the driver's seat that whole time right. um, and be able to do what we want to do? And for me, that's the best case scenario for a seller is to put yourself in the driver's seat. Sell your home now. Put yourself in the driver's seat. If you can uh, stomach being able to rent for you know, a month to month or a six month period of time, you got to understand that that is a really good position to be in as a buyer. Wow. I don't know how my parents would feel. Yes, it makes sense. <laughs> I'm thinking about my parents and how they'd feel if we all showed up outside their door with our suitcases. Right. I guess we should probably <laughs> arrange that ahead of time. Unless I anticipate a no, then I'll just yeah. play on the sympathies. We have nowhere else to go. You have to take us. <laughs> yeah, and, and Caleb has to use the bathroom, so we got to get in. But there, there's nothing worse than, than that kind of pressure. Uh, and I've, I've been in those shoes with my sellers you know, where they don't have their plan B lined up too well. And then, you know, they're they're thinking we're going to find it. And as, as hard as we, we try, you know, to get what they want mm-hmm. um, at the price that they want, if we're not able to do that, they, you know, it just puts them in such a state of, you know, stress and panic. We don't want that for them. And that's why we prepare them ahead of time. Right. So for a seller, the big thing, if you're thinking about listing your house, you really should work out a plan B, right? Yeah. That, yes. That's something to definitely plan out. If you do sell quickly, you fall back on plan B. And now, like you were saying, that's a good position to be in because you've got a place to live and now you've got the time. As long as mom and dad can tolerate <laughs> us there, we can look for the right place. As a buyer, what are the things that you think we should be doing in the last little bit before we wrap it up? Well, I guess what jumps out in my head first is making sure that that buyer has been to a loan officer, a lender, to make sure that they are approved up to a certain price for a certain program. There's different mortgage programs out there. And in this diehard market, there are mortgage programs that are better than others. So I would say if you're a buyer that are about ready to jump into this market, um, start with talking to a lender to make sure that you're approved. And then talk to us about, okay, here's my price range and here's my loan program. And then we can kind of set you up for, all right, this is the price range you should be looking for. And here's what you need to get ready um, to do when we find a house that you like. I mean, for Mm -hmm. me, this really solidifies why I need a competitive agent on my side too. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you guys are going to be preparing someone like me to go into these situations. I can't imagine doing it without the experience that you guys have. <laughs> yeah, you've got to have someone that knows what they're doing in this market right now. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's super important that we're preparing our buyers for all these different aspects in the offer so that, you know, they understand what they need to do to be in a winning position. And, you know, there are some things that are going to be on that contract that we ourselves as agents don't even like to encourage, Mm -hmm. you know, for them to do. But to be in a winning position, we might say, if you want to win this, this is what you may need to do. Are you prepared to do that? And it might be about possession or inspections or whatever it is on the contract. Are you prepared with a certain amount to put down as an uh, an EMD and an earnest money deposit to make your offer look strong? So we need to prepare our buyers ahead of time so they're that in that position, remembering again about the sharks. (laughs) We need to be able to react quickly to, you know, homes that come up on the market. Yes, exactly. It's important that they're prepared. Well, Sue and Ginger, that's all the time we've got. If our listeners have any questions or want to reach out or are thinking about jumping into that tank full of water with the sharks (laughs) and all of that, how do they best get in touch with you guys? My cell phone would be a great way, and that's 616-723-2400. And Ginger's number is 616-633-5880. We'd love to hear from you and help you. All right. We'll put both of those numbers in the show notes and a link to the website. Sue and Ginger from Sue Prince Group, Five Star Real Estate. Thanks so much for being here. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. us. We always enjoy our time with you. <laughs> yeah, you have to say that, right? <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> that was very educational. I really appreciate the information for sure. Thank you, guys. So, Haley, what are you going to do? Now Now the ball's in your court. You've got to figure out what to do with this tank full of water, the sharks, and the little piece of meat. Are you jumping in? I think I have to. I mean, I guess I'm more afraid that interest rates could just skyrocket and that at that point I'm not saving anything. You know, even if things are going over asking, am I saving money if it ends up going up in the future? Then I'm going to be kicking myself. Right. Plus, I mean, I'm renting right now. I want to get out of there. Right. Like Ginger said, too, you could wait and it could be an even tougher situation down the road. Right. For some people out there, though, the decision's made right now. They heard that. They're waiting. And we've got a project that might be perfect for those folks. If you're staying in your home and you're looking for a way to really improve a space, we've got a way you can do that without dropping too much money. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And based on the last segment, we realized that now the. We've put the fear of God in people. <laughs> My goodness, yes. <laughs> the real estate market, it's a little bit iffy. What did Sue compare it to? She said it's a shark tank. No, it's a tank of water with sharks, filled with sharks and, and somebody drops a little morsel of meat in the middle. <laughs> a little morsel of meat. That's the house. Uh-huh. And right. we have to jump in and try to get it amongst all these sharks. So a lot of people are thinking, I don't feel much like jumping into the tank right mm-hmm. now, maybe. And if you're doing that, you might be looking around your home thinking, maybe I can make this place a little more palatable yes. for the next couple of years. And we're always cool with that. There's always projects you can tackle that will make your space feel better. And one that we've never really talked about on the show, 
but which, which will have a huge impact mm-hmm. on any space, is painting an old wood floor. Exactly. It's such a good way to freshen up a space. It's not a huge investment. It's not like replacing the floors themselves, mm-hmm. right? And we're talking about floors that maybe they've got water damage. Maybe they really weren't ever meant to be the star of the show. They were meant to have carpet go over them. So they're she not looked at me when super... she said the star of the show. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the odd man out here. Well, Dan, <laughs> we can't all be stars. No, I do know that. <laughs> you can all, like, what? What are the, you can be my entourage. <laughs> That's what uh, I, I consider right. myself. So the floors can't be the star of the show. Just like not everybody here can be the star of the show, <laughs> exactly. right? So they need a little help sometimes. Yes. And, and we should say, you know, if you're going to paint wood floors, you're kind of committing to that. You're not necessarily committing to a color. You can always change that, but you're probably not ever going to go back to wood floors again. It's going to get into the cracks a little bit. Dan, that was your big concern yeah. with the project. Right. But I do love all the options. It goes with any style, colors. Has a, a ton of impact. A ton yeah. of impact. Easy to change the colors. It's way, you know way simpler than carpet or any of those other exactly. choices. And it's a it's a relatively simple project. A great project to start on if you really haven't done a ton of painting. Now, before we get into all the cool possibilities and colors and designs, a couple things to consider. First off, paint on the floor rarely lasts forever. You're going to have to just buy into the fact that there's going to be some chipping and traffic patterns and wear and all of that. You're just going to see it. Yeah, and sometimes that kind of works with the look. Even if you're going for like a shabby, chic design choice, then maybe it's not so bad. Maybe build it with that in mind. Yes, right? exactly. Shoot for that. That's how I'm going to do my whole house. <laughs> that way, if the kids, you know, mess anything up, mar it up, ding it up, it's, it's intentional. Shabby chic. Part of the look. Yep. yep. Shabby chic. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to paint with my eyes closed. Yeah. So be aware of that. We don't want you disappointed. Another thing to consider is that coatings can fail. We talk about this all the time. If you don't do the proper prep, and that's really, really key on a floor, making sure you do the right prep work. And it starts with cleaning the floors really well really well. Yes. Uh, we'd recommend using Dawn dish soap, TSP, maybe a little Scotch-Brite scrubby pad, something to make sure you get them really, really cleaned and then rinse them well. Exactly. And then you really want to scuff the floors to promote that adhesion. We usually are talking about 180 grit sandpaper with a random orbital sander. You're just trying to scuff the surface. We're not trying to remove the varnish completely. Right. Something to keep in mind, if you choose down the road to use a water-based coating, good sanding is absolutely critical to getting good results. If you happen to choose an oil-based product... Not as important. Generally better adhesion, but still, it's good practice. Good practice. Now, after sanding, make sure you clean the floors again with a damp cloth. You're just trying to get the dust off. You don't have to break out the cleaners or anything like that. And one last thing when it comes to projects is just make sure you're planning that workflow so you don't trap yourself in a corner. Right? I did that I've on a deck. It. Oh, you have I, I did it in a stairway. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That is really, really, really frustrating. And you feel really stupid because normally, while well, you're painting in your home and you should know better. Right. I was helping uh, my in-laws and I was brought in because he's the expert. He knows. <laughs> and I'm on the deck and I realized... At one point, I am stuck here. <laughs> and then I said that. My father-in-law said, I wondered how long it was going to take you to figure out. He watched the oh whole thing. He gosh. saw it going down. It happening. Yeah. <laughs> Let it happen. Yeah. Anyway, don't do that. You want to look smarter than that. So plan it out ahead of time. Another thing to consider 
is that choosing the right paint products may require some expert advice. Yeah, if the floor is really worn already, if it's a knotty wood, if there are water stains present, these are all things that might affect our recommendations. Right. So come into the stores with photos. We can talk it through. We'll figure out what you're working with and make a recommendation based on what you're comfortable working with product-wise as well. But we'll get you where you want to go. As for paint, like Haley just mentioned, some of it is going to be recommended based on your situation, Mm -hmm. but we can still talk about the main basic options out there. And from an oil-based standpoint, we'd recommend using Repcolite's urethane floor enamel. Wears really well. Extremely well, yeah. Yeah, I put it in my house. I had all these kids, and it held up like iron. So I'd really recommend that. And another option, if you want to go to water base, would be what? Benjamin Moore's floor and patio? I always say that wrong. Yes, floor and patio. Did I get it right that time? You did, actually. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. Star of the show. No, it's floor and patio, and it's a low luster finish, so a little bit less shiny. Okay. So there's the options out there. There's, There's a few other things that we could recommend, but... You're just going to want to have that conversation in the store. Any Repcolite or Port City Paints will help you get the right product. Now, the last thing to talk about before we move on to the really fun stuff is that the back-to-use time. You've got to keep that in mind before you really, yeah. really go crazy back in this room again. Ideally, you're waiting at least 24 hours before you've got any light foot traffic on the floors or putting any furniture back. And you're putting furniture back carefully after 24 hours. Setting it down gently. And then dragging it to the other half of the (laughs) room, right? Right. No, be very careful with all of that. Give it time. And then generally a minimum of about a week before you put it back to normal use. Exactly. That's the work involved. Now let's get to the fun part with the time we've got left. And that's just exploring all the design options out there. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite floors that I've seen on Pinterest and Instagram are kind of unexpected colors like soft yellows or pinks even. And there's so many options when it comes to stencils or rugs. I've seen flower patterns on floors that look gorgeous, but even just the classic checkerboard design with a white and subtle gray, you don't have to go super high contrast with the black and white although that's still a fun look, too. Mm-hmm. When choosing a color, something to keep in mind is that colors on the floor typically look a couple shades lighter than colors on the wall. You know, all of the light is coming from above. A lot more is being reflected back up. So you're going to want to compensate for that by choosing a color that's a couple shades darker than you want. But before you just jump into that, of course, do some sampling. Yeah, you can either go with just the 8x8 architectural color chips we have in the store, so you're getting a little bit of a bigger view. Or if you're going to invest in a sample pint, not painting it on the floor now, we want to get a foam core board to paint that onto. And you really don't want to cheap out on this. Get a nice board. Don't paint both sides of it, just one side that's sealed. That way it doesn't start to warp on you. Right. Finally, dust and grime are inevitably going to collect. It's their way. And if you paint the floors in a super bright white, you're definitely going to see that more quickly. So try to aim for some mid-tone colors, and that way you're not going to see every little speck. Right. And I guess we should address whites because they're really popular right now. The farmhouse look is in. (laughs) So you're going to see these white floors everywhere. And I don't want to set people up for false expectations. I think it's a great color design-wise, just be aware that it's going to take some extra cleaning. I mean, you're not going to be able to have shoes in the house. Who doesn't love (laughs) extra cleaning and walking around in socks? Yeah. Just be aware. You're exactly right. It's a trendy color. You can definitely get there. We just want you to understand 
what you might be dealing with. Exactly. All right. That's all the time we've got. You can find this one again online at RepcoLight.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and you'll never miss another episode. Lots of inspiration for floors on Instagram, too. We'll have those in our stories and highlights. Check it out. And don't forget, if you do end up doing this project, we love to see that stuff. Tag us, Repcolite Paints. We want to see what you're working on. I want to see pictures. Exactly. We all do. Good pictures, right? Yeah. Pictures yeah, of good projects. If it really bombed out, tag another company, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, all the Repcolite and Port City paint stores are open till three, waiting to help today. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Dan Altino. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.